This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today, we discuss various careers in collegiate aviation with Chad Kendall. But before we begin, we have a few announcements. You know, if you have any questions, comments, or even an inspirational story, please write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Also, if you go to the website, aviationcareerspodcast.com, you can find out all about our career coaching, our interview prep, and our resume review, and all the other courses that we have out there. I'd really like to see you do that. And and one of the things I've noticed is a lot of people right now, they're worried about what to do next in their careers. And that's what we do with the career coaching. So please go check that out. Uh, we can help you make a decision. It could just be one hour. It could be, you know, years worth of coaching to get you put in the right direction. But that's what we do. We specifically define the goals that are your goals and the path that's best for you and your family. So check that out at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Also, if you're looking, I know a lot of people are looking for money. If you're looking to get like free ratings, et cetera, we have that scholarships guide. And the Aerospace Scholarships Guide has a, over $120 million now in scholarships in the guide. You can check that out also at aviationcareerspodcast.com. You might get a free one too, by the way. If you look at uh, Pay It Forward, click Pay It Forward. It'll tell you how you might actually get a free scholarships guide through using that coupon code. All one word, pay it forward. And also thanks to the patrons. Uh, we also, all the money we take in through our patrons for every $10 we raise, we give away one scholarships guide. And uh, if you're paying for a scholarships guide, don't do it. Make sure you just pay it forward first. Tell your friends because there's a lot more people stepping up to the plate, which we're so blessed that this is happening, that want to help people move forward in their career and also in uh, and also in, in everything there, in their college, et cetera. Maybe it's just aerobatics that you're looking to do. It's just something to do with aviation. So check that out. And, oh, and the other thing, too, the pilot interview course, we put out a new video on that. It's uh, when do you start your descent when you're given a crossing restriction. That's uh, episode number six. That's seven's coming out here shortly. It's on our YouTube channel, so go subscribe there. Well, hey, moving on to our uh, our regular show here. It's actually, I'm with Chad Kendall, who's a professor of aviation and uh, also a good friend, fellow uh, NIFA collegiate aviator uh, and uh, assistant coach at, uh, used to be assistant coach at one of the colleges we competed with. Chad, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Carl. You know, we uh, first time we met actually, I think, was on the airfield, and uh, we were competing against you. Uh, I was at Polk State College, and you were at uh, Jacksonville at the time, and it was an exciting event. What a great organization! A lot of fun doing that. Uh, collegiate aviation is just so much fun, isn't it? Absolutely, so many different fields and different student organizations that uh, students can become a part of in uh, the collegiate aviation world. Well, one of you know, everybody looks at it from the student perspective as far as you know, college and aviation in college. But a lot of times as a career choice, we forget about the teachers, the professors, the the folks that are, that are running the labs. There's so many different careers in collegiate aviation. Uh, so one of the things I'd like to do is bring that to the forefront is, first of all, tell us a little bit about what you do. And you can, I, I guess, talk a little bit about the college you work for if you want. Um, but And then maybe we'll go into some of the other different ways that you can get involved in collegiate aviation. Absolutely. You know, I've been a longtime fan of your show and listened to your podcast for many years now. And when I think about the common denominator that most of your interviews uh, have, it's that they've had a educator, a mentor, a flight instructor, 
that have helped to uh, point them in the right trajectory for their their careers. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad and thankful to be in the field of aviation and, and collegiate aviation and education. Uh, never thought I would have uh, would be there uh, if you had asked me that 20 years ago. Uh, but there are multiple career options, even within college aviation programs. Uh, you can be a teacher. That's what most people associate with. Uh, there are different levels of teacher. You can come in as an adjunct teacher and teach one class. Maybe you are a subject matter expert on uh, crew resource management or the airlines, and you come in and you teach a crew resource management class. Uh, maybe you are in aerospace and launching satellites, and you can come in and teach a class related to that field. So you can come in and just teach one class, or you can be a full-time professor like me teaching three to four classes a semester, whether that be ground schools, simulator courses, uh, specialty classes like advanced flight technology or advanced navigation. Uh, so there is a broad array of uh, varying levels of being a teacher, but also all of the staff and administration. Universities have uh, a lot of times their own flight departments with their own airplanes. So there are instructors employed by the university, there are chief instructors, there are safety officers, dispatchers, uh, all of those support levels for the university. And then you can get into the administration side, whether that be a director, an associate director, or a program coordinator. So there's a lot of varying jobs within collegiate aviation. I think a lot of us, when we think about collegiate aviation, we think of the job of the professor up in front of the class. And um, But I love the fact that you mentioned all those different avenues that you can go. Even you talked about a, a um, you know an adjunct, but there's also a the opportunity to get involved even in the labs and maybe work yourself into those those positions in collegiate aviation. I think one of the things that most of us feel is that you have to have like a doctorate or a master's to get involved in college aviation. So maybe you could kind of go through that a little bit as far as what type of background you would need, uh, education background, and also maybe specific skills that you would need or, or an expertise to be able to teach. Yeah, so usually at a university level, uh, whether that's a community college or a four-year program, master's or PhD, uh, in terms of accreditation, they like you to have at least the next degree higher than the course of field that you're teaching in. So if you're teaching in a bachelor's program, having a master's degree. And there's varying exceptions to whether that's specifically a master's degree in aviation or whether you have a master's degree in something else, plus, for example, an ATP certificate. So that's actually what I have. I have an MBA and I have an ATP certificate. And so our accreditation allows me to teach uh, at the university level. However, if, uh, like I said before, you have a, uh, an expert in the field, uh, then they can come in without a master's degree and basically teach the class being overseen by a higher level professor or if there are simulator labs uh, or ground schools, then even someone with a flight instructor certificate can come in and teach those simulation classes or a ground school, again, overseen by a professor with a higher degree. Uh, so there, there's exceptions to the rules, um, and it depends on the accreditation of the university. However, you know the university brings in the level of experts that they need for the classes that are being taught. 
I don't know if those people that they bring in are almost like uh, somewhat like a teacher's assistant or something like that. It's a, a little bit different, but I mean, is that something uh, similar that someone could get involved with in aviation also? Yeah, I mean, there's there's teaching assistants that are uh, even pulled from the student level, uh, so that are junior or senior level students that uh, are completing their flight instructor certificate or have their flight instructor certificate who can come in as a teaching assistant uh, and teach a topic of the class or help out other students. Uh, or when you get to higher level degree programs like master's or PhDs, uh, where uh, teaching assistants are used in those classes as well. So there's a great variety of what, uh, what level of expertise you can have and what course that you can teach. Many of us when we're looking towards a career in aviation, we kind of fall into certain positions like uh, like with you, with collegiate aviation. Uh, you, you didn't specifically go into aviation to become a professor at a college. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about your story and how you got started in aviation and how you landed your job here with a college. Yeah, so I started flying in the mid-90s, and my career aspiration was to be an airline pilot and went through the progression of uh, getting flight instruction, going to a university program, becoming a flight instructor, going to be a corporate pilot, um, and then uh, actually did get into the airlines for a couple years. Uh, but what happened to me, I kind of translate to a video I saw on Instagram a few years ago from an actor that was talking about uh, he was wanting to be in the NFL and was playing in the Canadian Football League and uh, was cut. And because of that, uh, he changed to an acting career. And that happened to be uh, uh, The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And he said in his video, and this translates to what happened in my story, he said, the one thing you wanted to happen is probably the best thing that never happened. And so what I thought was the best thing of a storied airline career was the best thing that never happened to me. Um, I went to see if I was a candidate for getting LASIK. LASIK surgery was new at the time and uh, was told, I was not a candidate because of a eye condition. And so I started going back and forth to see, okay, how's this going to affect my medical and if I'm going to be able to maintain medical status. And basically through a long process figured out that it's going to be year to year, whether I'm going to be able to maintain a medical. It could be next year that I would not be able to maintain a medical. It could be five, 10 years uh, down the road that I would not be able to maintain a medical. So it was during that time that I started to make a decision on, is doing this year to year good for me, good for my family, or should I start looking for something else? And so I started looking for something else, and I found uh, a professor position at Jacksonville University in Jacksonville, Florida, and was hired for that. I'd actually taught in a community college while I was a flight instructor, even before the airline. So I had a little bit of experience being in a classroom setting and in academia, uh, really enjoyed that uh, that experience being in a classroom, helping students out at the community college level. So I had that experience and then had the corporate aviation experience, had the airline experience. And then now with these medical issues, uh, went into academia full time. So I've been a professor now for 11 years and very thankful that uh, that the best thing that never happened to me, the airlines ended up being that I go into collegiate aviation. So I've been teaching multiple classes, uh, teach ground schools, I teach jet systems, I teach advanced navigation. So been able to teach a lot of specialty courses 
Uh, but being a teacher, just one thing you just don't do is just teach. You do other things within the university as well. So you wear a lot of different hats. If all I did was teach, uh, life would be really great. But uh, you, you wear a lot of hats like service. So service to the university, service to the community. I'm an FAA safety representative here in Denver, Colorado now doing FAA safety seminars, getting involved in research. I've got a lot of research projects going on. So you wear a lot of different hats, even as a professor. Uh, but it, it does boil down to being in the classroom and being a teacher. And that's what I enjoy doing. And you do a good job. At it, that's for sure. I mean, I've heard a lot from your students and uh, that's a, And what's wonderful too. And I, I think what's really neat is, is what you're doing for somebody's life. I mean, you're truly adding to an individual and to society by being a teacher. And I, it's a very, very noble cause. And I guess that leads into probably the next question. What, you know, what's the most rewarding thing about being a college professor in aviation? Well, right in line with what you said, Carl, and that is seeing a student come in years down the road that you had go through an entire program that came in with no aviation knowledge, with just the passion for aviation and going through a four-year degree program or any college program and seeing them grow, develop, mature, and then graduate and then go off and they come back to your office with four, four stripes on their epaulets. And they said, you know, Professor Kendall, you were tough in class. You were fair. I understand now what you did and why you did it. And it prepared me well for where I am now. That's probably the most rewarding thing about being an educator. And that's incredible, that feeling that you get of accomplishment. And you're truly filling many different buckets when you're involved in collegiate aviation. One thing I, I'm curious about is, so from your perspective, just having this medical issue doesn't preclude you from doing any other type of teaching, correct? Can you also like in, instruct even in an airplane? I still maintain medical status. Again, it's kind of year to year for me personally on whether that's going to transpire or not. So I still instruct on the side. I was a corporate pilot on the side uh, in, in my free time in Florida while in Jacksonville up until the time we moved here to Colorado. And, uh, and, and even in simulators, you know, given instruction in simulators. So you know, if you have a medical, then you can still work uh, in the university setting in varying positions. Uh, but if uh, your medical status is unclear or you lose your medical, then uh, there's a job for you. I think there's one question I get often, and, and I think we just answered it, but let's be, be sure that we're clear on this. A lot of people feel that since they lost their medical, they can't instruct like in a simulator. So could answer that question. Can you still teach in a simulator if you don't have a medical? So a lot of our simulator classes in the university setting, they are not going towards certification for the most part. And so basically it's uh, oversight uh, and instruction in a laboratory setting, watching students and the students aren't logging time towards a certification or a rating. And so, yes, you can still use your background, your previous flying experiences, your knowledge of instruction to be in that setting and provide instruction in that setting. You know, I know even at the airlines, we have a lot of folks that have uh, medically retired, et cetera, and uh, they're doing oral exams or doing all sorts of different things. And Absolutely. Uh, it's really, it's something that a lot of people can get involved with and they don't realize it. It just doesn't stop at 65 and it's not just the airlines. That's the other thing too. Uh, and I want to kind of focus on that. 
uh, collegiate aviation, we don't just teach towards just the airlines. We, we, we teach towards many different career fields in aviation. So, for instance, where you are now, what type of careers can someone go into besides just besides an airline pilot? What can they go into after they graduate? Sure. So students come in for all things flying, whether that's going to be a corporate pilot, a agricultural pilot, a helicopter pilot. So, you know, they can get a degree plus specialize in the field and the direction that they want to head into. Uh, aviation management. So if you want to be an airport manager or an airline manager, air traffic control, aerospace, unmanned aerial systems. I mean, the, the field is wide open when you say aviation in terms of uh, finding a specialty that you want to do. Uh, whether that's flying or not flying. And, you know, we need good managers. We need good airport managers. And so uh, going to a degree program and getting a aviation management degree helps towards that end and provides experiences within the degree, whether that's going and doing an internship, study abroad, or things of that nature in order to uh, make yourself more marketable and build upon your experience to go out into the field after the fact. So you can go into many different things in aviation. So let's talk about the professorship itself. And, you know, on this podcast, to be very transparent, we love to talk about things many other people are uncomfortable with, and that's paying benefits. So as a college professor uh, in the aviation field, from your experience, because I know you've been around and you've talked to many other people at, at schools, et cetera, what, what does somebody begin with as far as salary-wise, and, and what is the potential? And also talk a little towards the benefits. Sure. So just saying a professor means a lot of different, different things. Uh, someone can be an adjunct professor, talked about that, where you come in and teach just one class. Uh, you may get paid uh, several grand just for one class of five, you know, five to $7,000 for teaching one class uh, for that semester or over the summer. Uh, and then depending on the degree that you have, whether that's just a master's degree, whether that's a PhD, uh, and whether you're going into a state program or a private institution, the salary level really varies at that point. So, you know, it's hard to place a mark on it. It's not like being an airline pilot where you get to go to a website and you can see exactly where the pay scales are from year to year. Uh, but between about sixty dollars and $110,000 is probably the range for uh, a professor depending on the level of degree and uh, experience in state versus private institution that you're going into. And the private institution, I'm assuming, is one that usually pays more. Is that correct? Not necessarily. Depends on the private institution that you go to. Um, and of course, you know, it's different than a state school as it relates to receiving state funding or not and how big the private institution is versus, uh, you know, in terms of number of students that are in the private institution. Uh, so there's a lot of variables into that. Uh, as well. And the thing with education is uh, in terms of where the salary level starts, it really just gets to what the market rates are. So, you know, as the years go by, market rates are increasing for being a professor. So even if you were a professor at one institution for 10 years and then you move to another institution, you may be paid higher uh, at that other institution on year one, uh, even coming in with 10 years of experience. So there's a lot of variables at play in terms of exactly what the salary level is. State, in, state institutions, uh, by uh, their nature and law, are very transparent in terms of their salary levels for entry. Uh, but when you're looking at a private institution and their salary levels, uh, you're going to see on the application or the, uh, the job posting, you're going to see 
uh, commensurate upon degrees and experience. Uh, and then you kind of go through the process and figure out what it is. I know in a lot of the state institutions, they have benefits uh, and they're based on the state benefits, but do like private institutions, they have things like 401ks and that type of thing? They do. Yeah. So uh, standard 401k health benefits. Uh, and when you get into state institutions, there may still be state pension systems with state institutions. Uh, and then there's also the benefit of tuition assistance and providing free tuition for you and your family members. And that's a big bonus right there. And I, I hear the stories of friends that work at the universities and their kids go to school for almost free or basically free. And uh, what an incredible benefit that is, too. Yes. You know, somebody that's looking at this, I know that a lot of people, they'll get started in a path in aviation and they'll say, you know what, I really don't want to be an airline pilot, but I love teaching and I want to stay in this field. So if you're there, you're that person that's decided to make that shift, not because of a medical reason or something like that, or maybe because of a medical, what, what would you do? What would you tell that person to make them a little more competitive in the field as a professor in collegiate aviation? So I, I would start even on your undergrad, uh, talking with professors, networking within the, uh, the university setting, uh, even within the organizations like UAA uh, that uh, universities are a, par- are a part of or the accrediting agencies that universities are a part of. Uh, so you can begin the networking process. You can begin uh, marketing yourself and then building your resume uh, after your undergrad to doing adjunct work, being a teaching assistant, and then moving through the degree process of pursuing a master's degree specifically in the field that you want to teach in. So a master's degree in aviation and a lot of accrediting bodies require that you have 18 credit hours in the field uh, of study that you are going to teach in. So a master's degree in aviation with 18 credit hours uh, within that degree program And then pursuing a PhD. And while you're doing all of those things, then you can even further yourself by being part of research projects, uh, grant projects, things of that nature. Uh, And that will really boost in your career and, and market yourself better for getting into a degree program as a professor. Well, I tell you, if you're someone that loves to teach, and I love to teach, I I envy a lot of people that are working as professors in in collegiate aviation. And I tell you, how rewarding is that to help somebody move forward in their life and their career? It's absolutely uh, one of the the best things you can do for an individual and also for society, I feel. Uh, this Boy, I tell you, it's been great just talking about this, Chad. Uh, and it's got me all excited again. I love hanging around with the students. As most people know, I'm, I'm really a volunteer at a college and I just coach the flight team and uh, hang out and do some, you know, lectures. They'll pull me in and talk and that kind of thing. But the one thing that I really enjoyed and is the, the excitement on a campus and the, the uh, learning that goes on and these minds that are just like sponges and, and they challenge you. And that's, what's really exciting to me uh, when I'm out there on the, on the college campus. I'm sure you've been challenged quite a few times also. I love teaching the freshman class. You know, that is uh, in in terms of having a a very seasoned professor. uh, That's the class that you want a seasoned professor to be teaching is the freshman class, because the freshman class, uh, your first class, whether that's private pilot ground school uh, or aviation weather. I mean, that really sets the tone uh, of what is required 
in the program, what you can do, what you can be a part of. Here's how things work. Uh, and so I love teaching that class. You know, Mark Twain says, I never let my schooling interfere with my education. And so when I start a freshman class, I'm going to start one next week. I say usually three to four things at the beginning of class. First thing I say in relationship to what Mark Twain said is I say, you're done with school. And then everybody looks at me real weird and, okay, what do you mean, Professor Kendall? And I say, you know, you're, you're starting your pre-professional program right now, a pre-professional program. You're starting your career. Uh, this is not like we're coming to school and we're going to take a couple of semesters to figure out what we want to do in life. Most, uh, most students coming into the program, they've wanted to be a pilot since they were five years old. They've got a passion for where they, they want to be in a uh, controller. They want to be an airport manager. Uh, and so they've got, they've already got a passion. They've already got a goal in mind when they come in. And so I say, okay, you're, you know, you're done with school. You started your professional program. The other thing I say is time is very short. You're going to have four years, four or five years to, uh, to get through this program. That's going to be a very short period of time. So make the most of it that you can. Don't just sit in class, engage in class, ask questions, as a professor, I have office hours. My door is open. Uh, I am glad to have students come in and say, hey, can you help me out with this a little bit more? I didn't get those holding patterns from instrument ground school. Can we go over it again? Absolutely. You know, it's tough in a classroom setting sometimes when you're sitting there with 20 to 30 students. Uh, you know, you're trying to gauge the class, engage the class as a professor. Uh, but having that one-on-one -on -one individual instruction with the student uh makes that student go even further, helps them understand better and, and helps them to, to excel. Getting involved, you know, telling students of organizations like NIFA, like Women in Aviation, like Latino Pilots Association, those types of associations to get involved with. It's students that get involved in organizations that are actually more successful in terms of their grades and getting through a program. So getting involved in organizations. And that just helps them start building that resume to get involved in organizations, to become leaders in those organizations, leaders in the institution, and then it just goes from there. So, you know, it's, it's fantastic to be sitting in that freshman class and you see these new students come in and they've got a long-term goal and you start working with them. Okay. What's the short-term portion of this long-term goal? And then how are we going to build from there and then see that progression take off? Boy, that advice is great. I think it's great for anybody pursuing any career. That's some really good advice, Chad. I, I really appreciate that. You know, one of the things I really enjoyed is when we met, we met at uh, Jacksonville University. What a great program that is there uh, in aviation. But uh, you've also moved on to to a new program. And uh, do we want to talk a little bit about that before we uh, talk off? Yeah. So there's uh, in one of my favorite states uh, to visit, as most people know, and I love running around to the different airports. Uh, you're out in the Colorado area. So tell us a little bit about the school, where you are and what they offer in aviation. So a year ago, I, uh, you know, long-term goal for, for myself personally was to live in the state of Colorado. We just, uh, my family loves it here. Uh, we love all that Colorado has to offer with uh, outdoor activities and had to take a 10-year detour to Florida first and, uh, you know, a little hot, humid and escaping one too many hurricanes down there. Finally looked around and found a university that uh, had a full-time teaching position open, and that's at Metropolitan State University of Denver, which is right in downtown Denver. So I taught 10 years at Jacksonville University uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. It's my alma mater. Loved my time there. 
you know, enjoyed my experiences there, helped them get the 141 ground certificate, helped them get the restricted ATP. And then Metropolitan State University in Denver had a opening and applied for that and was successful in getting that position. And, and they wanted to do the same thing out here. They want to get the 141, want to get the restricted ATP. So I, I just did that in Jacksonville. Happy to help them here doing that as well. Um, two totally different institutions. Uh, you know, not every institution is uh, the same. Uh, Jacksonville being a small private institution, on-campus housing, Denver uh, at Metropolitan State University. It's a commuter campus. Uh, there's options outside for uh, for student housing, but uh, for the most part, students are commuters coming in, uh, and a lot bigger, uh, a lot bigger of an institution. And uh, so I was, I was kind of nice to have a, a new feel of a new institution and getting to know this program. It's got a very storied history to it. Uh, it's a famous for its world indoor airport, uh, which is a uh, essentially a giant simulator lab with dozens of simulators, single engines, multi-engines, turboprops, jet simulators uh, inside of uh, one building. Um, and so, you know, they've, they've got a storied history and I'm glad to be a part of this program out here but also glad to be living in the state of Colorado to be able to ski and fish and everything like that. Yeah. What a beautiful state. That's for sure. And a wonderful, uh, two different places. That's for sure that, uh, there's many different things you can get involved outdoors that world indoor airport. That is so cool. We have so many simulators there and, uh, we'll have to try to get a picture of it, maybe put it in the show notes, but, uh, really happy for you that you moved out there. And of course we're going to be visiting often because, uh, that's the next thing we're going to talk a little bit about, but, uh, it's really easy to find them. Uh, as far as if you're interested in aviation, uh, we'll have a link to it. Uh, Metropolitan State University, Denver, and uh, maybe sometime we'll get to say hi to some of our listeners out there. I, I really, I, I, one of the things that people ask me about flying is I really stress the fact that you can learn to fly in any state. University of North Dakota, which is a large flight school, uh, they actually, they do a lot of flying up north where it snows a lot. I get a lot of feedback from people saying, you know, I'm going to want to go to Florida, I'm going to go to Arizona. Um, am I going to be able to get through all my ratings? Because the weather in Denver, I'm not so sure. So what, how would you answer that as far as being able to get, get your ratings, especially in, a, in, a, in a, an appropriate time frame? Well, we still have a lot of sunny days uh, out here in Colorado. And, uh, of course, sure, you know, there are snow days and uh, those move by quickly and then the snow melts. But I think that uh, overall, as a flight student, this is a fantastic place to do uh, your flight training. Uh, I said that to the classes as soon as I came out here. You really don't understand density altitude until you're flying a Cessna 152 out of the Centennial Airport and you see a density altitude above 9,500 feet. Uh, and you have to understand things about exactly how lift works and how to fly the wing. That's what a lot of people stay out, uh, say out here. Uh, yeah, cold weather operations. You know, I, I did a lot of FA safety seminars in Florida about cold weather operations. That kind of seems to be an oxymoron, but uh, you understand cold weather operations out here uh, with airplanes that have been cold-soaked overnight, frost, snow on them, contamination, uh, and then icing and under, you know, having an understanding of icing. So I think that you are, in my opinion, a more well-rounded aviator flying out of Colorado. You can get your certificates and ratings uh, in just about the same amount of time. You may just have to wait for a snowstorm to move out of the way. Uh, but you know the, the scenery is beautiful. You have to worry about high altitude terrain. 
uh, and understanding those factors in aviation. Uh, so I, I think it's great to be an aviator out in Colorado and uh, learn to fly out here. Sure, do get some clear days out there. You can see for hundreds of miles, and uh, it's be- just a beautiful state to fly in. Many different sites to see, something different. And uh, if you haven't flown out in a high-density altitude airport, I really challenge you to go head out to, to Colorado and check it out. Chad, this has been awesome having you on. Uh, before we go, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i make sure I do have some uh, links in the show notes to everything that we talked about. Uh, but uh, any parting thoughts, uh, just in general, going back to the collegiate aviation, any parting thoughts to for those people that are thinking about getting involved, maybe as a professor uh, or or in any way uh, adjunct, et cetera, what would you tell them as far as, you know, what they should be doing now or, you know, what your thoughts are on their career? So I had a student message me a couple of days ago, student in the program, and their text message to me was, should I stay in aviation right now? you know, just given this global pandemic that we're going through. And you know, I texted back, my first question was, is, it, is this still a passion for you? And they said, absolutely. And I said, well, stay in it. Uh, you know, this is a bump in the road. Uh, it's, it's a big bump in the road. Uh, if you think about it in terms of uh, students that are starting this week or next week in university aviation programs for the first time, uh, they have not had to step into the world of a new university with a global pandemic since 1918. And to the scale of which aviation is compared to 1918, sure, it is a bigger bump in the road, but uh, we're going to get through this. And so for the students that are in my classes right now, the first thing that I said when we were in class last semester and had to immediately move to online learning, as I said, you know, you're in a good place and that is being in school and finishing your degree and just concentrating on that. Uh, I realize there's a lot of other hardships going on right now for those in the regional and uh, legacy carrier world. Uh, But, you know, I speak more to those that are in university settings right now or those that have just graduated. And and so I told that student, he's a flight instructor, and I said, you know, just stay as a flight instructor. You know, you you may not have as many students as right now, but, you know, you still are doing some flying. You're getting some hours under your belt. You're getting some pay keep doing that and consider going and continuing your education. You know, now's a great time to work on another degree, get a, get a master's degree to make you more marketable in the future. Uh, get a master's degree, even in something other than aviation, get a master's degree in business or a master's in education. Um, you know, so use this time to self-assess and look at what your trajectory long-term goal was what you kind of have to do now and and maybe that's deviating left or right of course a little bit whether to stay in education get another degree staying where you are uh, you know your your future was to be an airline pilot or corporate pilot but you're gonna have to stay as a flight instructor for a little bit that's fine you know i i enjoyed that experience uh from one step to a next that's what i tell every student that's coming to me even before the pandemic saying i'm ready to go to the airlines said, well enjoy being a flight instructor. You know, once you get into the airline world, you may miss some of the things that you had when you were a flight instructor. Uh, and then, uh, you know, as you, as you look back on your career, like, yeah, I enjoyed that time. But um, this is this is a different time right now. It's a different time for these students that are starting this fall. We're going to get through this. And, um, you know, I, I just challenge them to keep their long-term goals in mind. 
use this time wisely now to get get more education, market yourself better, get additional experiences like internships and things like that. Uh, and that will help you out even in the future when we get past all of this. All great advice, Chad. Again, I really appreciate your coming here today. And obviously, we're going to be talking more online. As far as uh, getting in touch with Chad, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. We will forward the, the uh, information to Chad. We also have links in the show notes uh, if you have questions about anything here. And also, uh, Metropolitan State, of course, where he's an instructor right now, professor there. And I know right now a lot of folks are having challenges as far as what the next step is. Uh, it seems like with my career coaching, just about every session is now, what's, what do I do now? Where do I go? And Chad's advice is, is apropos. It, just keep going, stay in the course, get more ratings, get more education, keep continuing forward in your career. Again, Chad, thanks, thanks again for coming. Thank you, Carl. I appreciate it. If you're somebody that's looking at a career in collegiate aviation, uh, I think you should take a lot of Chad's advice to heart. And if you're somebody who's excited about creating the next aviator, creating the next aerospace professional, collegiate aviation and, and teaching at a college level really, really has real great benefits. And it's something that is something that I think I take to heart. You're doing something for people and you're helping people move forward both on an individual basis and as a community. And I think you should really consider that. But if no matter what you're doing, no matter what career you're in right now, what I really want you to do is think about, you know, we're in this pandemic right now, but think, you know, a couple of years from now, think about what you need to do to move forward in your career. But besides just thinking about it, when we turn off the podcast, what I really want you to do is I want you to take action. I want you to take that next step right now. It could just be calling someone. You might be in a car right now. It could be calling a friend. It could be actually writing a memo down or using voice memos, but do something today to move forward in your career and in your life. We'll, we'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying out there. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.